Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. to another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust with a few of your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players, Jimmy Conrad, that's me, and Hollywood Heath Pierce, and sometimes, more often than not, we're always going to have Charlie Davies with us, but he's traveling right now because he was in Mexico City doing some fantastic coverage on Paramount Plus around the game, and that game, Heath Pierce, was a 0-0 draw against Mexico. Now, before we take any steps further, Heath, now that you've had a day to reflect how are you feeling about that performance by the U.S.? Well, two things real quick, Jimmy. One, I think you kind of uh, were a little light on the, the the introduction today in terms of we are their two favorites. And with Charlie, their That's three true. favorite former. Not true. a few of the larger group. Uh, he won. You know, some, some guys are playing well. I want to make sure that there's room for some other players to potentially be part of that conversation. Yeah. But yes, okay. okay, continue. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I, I feel the same as, as, I, as I did in the recap. I think... Uh, you know, we were talking about this just before the show started of like, and, and it's a very common theme that you say of like, if, if you never had to play the game, would you just take the point? Would you take the point on the road against Mexico? If you went back to the very start of, of World Cup qualifying, that was always seen as like, if I were to build out that window and obviously circumstances change based on the results, but a point away at Mexico, I don't care if it was full or half full, that is a big result. And the fact that the team played it the way that they did, they weren't, we weren't chasing the game the whole time and just happened to survive and get a point where we're looking I love back. That. I love that part of it, by the way, that we weren't chasing the game. I thought we were pretty proactive even when we didn't have the ball. And I think that's a sign of a team that's organized. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that, that was, that was pretty much the thought is that if you go back to, again, all the times that we played Mexico, we've gotten better and better against Mexico every time. This one was away at Azteca, which should have been by far the hardest. But the U.S. looked like they knew what they were doing. They looked confident. They looked comfortable. We didn't look outmatched at any point. Yes, we can look back at the three wins against Mexico previous to that. But a couple of those were, were long periods where we were chasing the game a little bit or we didn't control the flow that we were allowing Mexico to be Mexico in the way that we've known them historically. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. one just seemed much more convincing. And while it wasn't dominant, it had chances to win the game. And we were in it from the start to finish. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think... My rating, I think you gave it a seven, seven and a half out of 10 for that performance. I was hovering closer to eight. I, I feel the same way. And, and in some ways, when I think about little moments in the game, and we talked about him a little bit like DeAndre Yedlin 
having a big time back post header to clear a ball out. And Walker Zimmerman ended up making sure it got out of the box, like these little things. And as you know, and everybody else that knows, but these little things add up. It's these little bricks that you're putting down and it's brick by brick for us to qualify for a world cup, to have successful performances. And I thought we did enough of the little plays to get a result. And in fact, to win that game, which would have been the first time we've ever done that in history. We were that close to to pulling that off. And that would have been four consecutive wins against our biggest rival, which included two trophies in those four wins. So, or excuse me, three of the four wins. We were close, man. And I think that's a really good sign. Now, it's just one game. And as I talk about this brick, this is just the 12th brick of 14 for World Cup qualifying. We still have two more bricks to lay down to make sure we get to the big dance at the end of the year. And this one against Panama has to reflect and build upon what we've already laid down, the foundation we've laid laid down, and go out there and continue to make big plays and big moments. And ultimately, I think the one brick, I've got a whole bunch of different uh, metaphors here with bricks, but we got to finish our opportunities. We have to finish our opportunities. Now, before I throw it over to you, though, if you are new here, I just have to say welcome. We are obviously delighted to have you be a part of the In Soccer We Trust family, one of us. So hit that subscribe button, hit that like button if you're watching on the YouTubes. If you're not and you're listening to this to the, on your favorite audio platform, whatever it may be in podcast form, hit five-star review for us, leave a review, hit subscribe, do all that good stuff for us. It would really mean a lot to us as we continue to build this in soccer we trust family. We're going to be going all the way through the World Cup and building up to 2026. So we're in this for the long haul. We want you to be a part of it as well. Also, we had a $100 paramount plus gift card to give away on the mexico versus usa recap yesterday and the winner of which will be announced on sunday's live usa versus panama recap but in the meantime though we've got another one keith Paris. Wow. we got another wow. paramount plus a hundred dollar gift card paramount plus to give away today we're being very generous because that's what we like to do we like you to need hot keys jimmy we need hot keys when you're when you're doing these you know like a bah, 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 you we know do. Something like that you know we do we're gonna put some pressure on producer alex and producer des to find us some jingles while we're doing this Fair. but uh all you have to do is like today's video if you're watching on the YouTubes and write P plus. And then right after you write P plus, put your, your handle, but don't put don't put the at. We don't need the at. Just put your like your social media handle, P plus, your social media handle, so we can find you if you win. That's the only thing you have to do. Hit like and do that, and you have a chance to win hundred dollars. We're trying to give you away hundred dollars. So so make that happen. Paramount plus, it's all popping off. All right, Heath, I caught you almost in mid thought or at the beginning of a thought. What were you? I'm always say? I'm always mid thought. To be honest <laughs> with you, like I I'm not good at tell, telling uh, a story, so I'm always mid uh, thought. <laughs> I don't know how to tee it up and then land it at the end. But no, what I saw from this team and and to, to put it into context for anybody that didn't get to watch or is trying to figure out or or open to uh, some advice on on how this went, that looked like a team on its way to qualify for World Cup. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like to me. Now, we are so hypercritical of this national team and all national teams, uh, U.S. national teams of of the past. And I feel like it's a a bit of a a dangerous game that we play with the national team where our expectations are so high. Yes, they should be increasing. But in that particular game, I saw a team in control. I saw a team that didn't look afraid. I saw a team that uh, had a game plan that Mm -hmm. stuck to Mm -hmm. tactics that was patient in, in that process, that was disciplined in that process, and a team that knew that there are three points out there. And again, it was a game of moments, could have swung either way. Uh, and and But they knew that it was this and then on to the next one. They got right, something right. out of that game and now we're on to the next one, which is obviously what we're, we're doing today is previewing uh, the U.S.-Panama match, which is at home, which is one we've been talking about for a long time. But that looked like a team that's on path to qualify. That's what it looked like to me. It didn't look like a team that was trying to figure it out or we're going to Azteca, let's just mm-hmm, hope for mm-hmm. the best. 
It was a team that 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 had a plan. It could have gone a little bit better. Really prevented it going from from really anything worse. There was some half chances here and there, but that's any game, right? Any game has chances. But Mexico away, I would have expected Mexico to have a few more clear cut chances or at least swing the game in their favor at some point. That was so extreme that you're like, uh oh, you can feel something's coming. And I never really felt that outside of a few little errors or turnovers that are kind of half chances from Chucky Lozano. What's interesting is that even after the game, there were still some frustrated fans that, and Dan Kane, I'm looking at you in particular, who, who was like, what was our game plan? And you and I started to break down, you know, our team shape and, and where we're trying to win the ball and, the, and our high line. We're getting into the nuances and subtleties of the game. But from an attacking side, were you happy with the game plan? Did you see a game plan? Because I feel like for a lot of fans, sometimes it feels very individualistic. And, and for me, what I would like to say is I've, I pulled back that thought a little bit is that's what we're trying to create. If I'm, and I had this conversation when I was a player, there was a game where I was playing and I'm a defender, right? My job's to win the ball back and get it to the players that know what the hell they're doing going forward. And we had a play once where I won it and somehow the ball ends up with Eddie Johnson in a 1v1 situation at the corner of the box. Mm-hmm. And in that particular moment, it was during a time where, and this happens to everybody, this isn't isolated to, to Eddie, but he just wasn't feeling as confident as we know he can be. And so instead of taking that player one-on-one, he elected to play backwards and, and play a little bit safe. And I had to pull him aside afterwards. And I told him, Eddie, listen, I'm working my ass off back here. And I find it to be disrespectful if you don't take somebody on 1v1 when you have the opportunity. I don't care if you lose it 9 out of 10 times. But you know what that's like, though, by the way, Jimmy. This is the game, though. This is, yeah. I, this, is, this is what we're doing. This is my game plan. I want my best attacking players having the confidence to run at people in 1v1 situations. Yeah. And if you don't have that, that's just respectful to me who's busting my ass to make sure you get those situations. And yeah. I don't care if you lose it. Have the confidence to go because I believe in you and I want you to believe in yourself as well and just go. And so what I want to say to Dan Kane and everybody else, it might not look like that. It might look like an individual situation at times. But that's sometimes the game plan. We want to isolate Pulisic in 1v1 situations. We want to isolate Gio Reyna when he's running through eight players in the middle of the field. <laughs> that wasn't we isolated. Want, no, unbelievable. <laughs> we want to isolate all of our, our guys to get in these spots. We want Timo Weah to be one-on-one because he's got the ability to pull away, create enough space to get off a cross. That's what we want to do. How many times can we do that in a half? Those are the things you should be looking at. When did we get Christian Pulisic in a 1v1 situation? When did we get Timo Weah out wide? When is Brendan Aronson? How is he pulling away? Is he creating space in behind? These are all these little things that open up space for other players. These are the little things we have to be looking at. And I think it happens more than people. I don't, I know there's a lot of obviously anti Burhalter sent, uh, sentiments out there, but you know, there, there, there's still, there is some methodology behind this. And that's all I wanted to say. So, so yes, did Greg Burhalter fairly get the job? Did <sighs> probably not, right? His brother was in charge, but whatever. He's there now. And, and he's, he's doing the best that he can. And it's actually led us to some success. And, yeah. and I think we have to give him credit. As hard as that is for people, you got to give him credit. Now, yeah. ultimately, what we're going to judge Berhalter on is if you're going to qualify for a World Cup or not. And he said before this game against Mexico, this is the biggest week of his coaching career. And he's goddamn right. And so now he's got to finish the job. We got to get a result against Panama. So that's a nice segue into that. What are you looking forward to in this game, Heath Pierce, knowing that Wea is suspended, Yedlin suspended, and it looks like Reggie Cannon might not be available either due to COVID. So we're bringing in Shaq Moore, who plays for Tenerife in the Spanish second division and hasn't played for us and since uh, the Gold Cup over the summer. Yeah, so obviously we have the opportunity for for um, Shaq Moore to play in that, that position. 
I'm not that worried with Yedlin being out. I, I, I think Yedlin does a great job, but he's not a starter to me. He's not a sure starter. I think you can uh, intermix him in with, with, with anybody who's going to do a pretty solid job. Now, this game is at home, so I'm a lot more open to being less balanced, right? And we talked about this before with, with uh, our fullbacks with Serginho Dest and, and Jedi. And they were cheating high and wide, and that requires you to have midfielders that can cover ground, put out fires, kind of sit in those positions when you when you when you get exposed a little bit. And I kind of want to see that against Panama. Panama want to draw us in; they want to counterattack. They want to have three, four uh, passes that that get them in front of the frame. If you go back early to the Jamaica days, they just win the ball in good spots. One, two, three, get the ball in the box, crash the box, score goals. <laughs> and obviously, Panama are more dynamic than that. They have more um, dynamic attackers than that. But the U.S. is at home in this one. And the U.S. is, I think, by far um, the favorite in this game. And we should be taking it to them from the start. So with, with regard to your question on, on the right fullback position, also, you know, with, with uh, no, um, uh, who, who else is out in this game? Tim, Tim Timoya. Yeah, so the full, your full right side. I think you have the opportunity now. You could either put an Areola there. You could put a um, – I don't really like the idea of putting a Jordan Morris, but you could put an Areola there and move – uh, Giorena inside if you wanted to have a different three on the inside where it's where it's a little more Giorena, um, uh, Musa, and Adams uh, in the middle there. I, I wouldn't be against that. I kind of like the idea of that. I like the idea of not having to have all three players that can press all the time in these situations, knowing that Giorena does have the ability to run up the middle and give us a little bit more of a vertical player on the wing that can stretch them a little bit or maybe get down to the touchline. Because again, against these teams like Panama, if they end up sitting back, we need somebody that can drag them down to the corner flag, right? Really start to pull them out of positions and probe them. And the more Giorena can have combination play, he's going to pull players in and out. But the more we have wingers that can really stretch them or whip in balls behind the back line, I think Paul Ariola could actually do that pretty well. So I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. I guess my answer is I'm confident thinking about who the replacements might be. And I'm not too worried if that's Shaq Moore at right back or it's um, um, uh, Eric Palmer Brown who's got to play in it right back. I wouldn't sure. be, even be mad if it was. If you moved Robinson at right back and you had Aaron Long with 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 Zimmerman in the middle, like uh, guys that can cover ground that are comfortable on the ball, I'm not against that. I don't know what your take is on that. Well, I'm curious some of the names. You know, I just thought Gio Reyna would be the natural replacement for Timo Weah because he looks like he's ready to start. He looked fit and looked vibrant. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were considering him for potential man of the match. I mean, if he comes in and... And, you know, PFOX scores the assist that he lays down for him. And, and I mean, talk about instant super sub impact. But but my only concern is that what Timo Weah does a very good job of is he stays a little bit wider than I think Gio Reyna will. And he will probably provide some more verticality for us. Uh, this is Timo Weah. Whereas Gio likes to come inside. and, and That's why I like Gio. Inside. Put Gio at the 10 then. Like, Put him at you, the 10. And then what? Then you take out Acosta and you have Adams, Musa, yeah, and Adams, Gio. Musa. Musa can be a two-way guy. Gio's cheating up a little bit more, staying connected more to the attack, kind of drifting, finding good spots. And then have we, st- we can still have an Areola that can play out yeah, wide right, on the right. touchline, stretch teams on a long counter, a long counter attack, or any of those types of things that's a little more of that verticality or route one soccer. Yeah, the one thing I, I don't want is for us to put players in positions that aren't their best positions. We try Tyler Adams at right back away to Honduras. And of course, you can make a narrative for it. He's he's done it before, he's got some experience. That's not where he plays his best. That's not where he we want to play uh, our teams. Acosta played at, for LAFC at right back this last weekend, and I wasn't impressed with him at right back. I thought he did an okay yeah. job because he's an athlete. He can cover ground. He's he's smart. He's a defensive first type of player. 
but there wasn't anything even in that game. And I was at the MLS level that I was like, okay, this guy, this guy has like natural tools to know, like when I'm going to go forward, how I'm going to support in these types of things. But having him on the field, obviously in a game that might come down to a set piece is always a smart thing as well. Worth, right. Worth okay. So, so I guess this is a nice segue into starting lineups and Heath, we'll start with yours, but before we, we get, or when, when yours, Alex, producer Alex puts this up on the screen. Do you feel like a back three is a possibility? Could you see uh, three center backs here with a Robinson, Zimmerman, and Long, and potentially like an Acosta more as a wing back at right back or somebody else at wing back, and then you could have Anthony Robinson at that side? Because we basically went to a back five last night with Eric Palmer Brown coming mm -hmm. in late to secure the draw on that right side. So I guess that's an option as well. Do you think Greg might tinker that way, or do you feel like we're going to continue to see a back four? I hope not. Like, I think a back three, and maybe you feel differently, Jimmy, having been a center back and played in a number of different formations. And I know the back five or the back three is a little bit of a sexy thing right now. But I just I just, I just, just feel like, and, and here's, here's, here's my lineup, uh, by the way, as we, as we take a look at that. Uh, I've nice. got... I've got okay. more on the right and I've got Reyna on the right. This is the lineup that I think it will be not the lineup that I necessarily want. I don't want a back three though, Jimmy. Uh, that's for I'm sure. Just, I'm just throwing uh, that out there as a, as yeah. a, well, I just, advocate. I just think that if we're going to take risks, we're always best when we play with a back four, the risks need to be in like sort of the way in which we're trying to build up and build out and expose them and find a create attacking opportunities. I'm not worried about who you put in it right back. Like I'm not worried about like Barsanis running at our back line and just disrupting us and having some player that's just like, oh, they're not at the international level in a game like this. That's not what I'm worried about. Right. For me, it's more about how are we approaching the game that's going to create chances because Panama's going to come in. Like you said, they've got to take chances now. They've they got to expose now. themselves. They, that draw so do we have the right balance of a little bit of that uh, give and get that we're going to have enough players to attack forward that we're not thinking defensively and that's where I'm thinking about from a starting position. I've got Reyna, obviously, in my lineup starting on, on ride white because I think it's an easier thing uh, to do in, in terms of how I was building my lineup. I still got yeah, Pepe yeah. Uh, up top. I've got Pulisic on the left. And I've got the same back line minus Shaq Moore going into that because I think Shaq Moore could do the job against Panama. Uh, but I don't know if that's what I would... I don't. Uh, Shaq Moore is the, is the big question mark for me because maybe it could be Reggie Cannon. If it is Reggie Cannon, then it's we don't have to have that conversation. It's a pretty easy shoe in of yeah, like sure, him sure. over who uh, somebody else. But the Reina, the Reina at the ten spot with another more vertical attacker in in a Paul Ariola, um, it, it, it does it for me. Again, I don't necessarily like the the uh, idea of moving Pulisic anywhere. I like when he's best when he's driving inside, and you need somebody that that's right footed, playing the right wing, that likes to right. stay out on the touchline right. and go go straight forward. So. Um, yeah, and and then obviously with with Shaq Moore coming in, the Joe Scally thing had everybody on the internet, not everybody, but a lot of fans up in arms saying, "Where's Joe Scally? Where's Joe Scally in all this? He plays in a bigger league. He plays yeah, for a bigger team." Sure. Um, and clearly there's something just like with PFOC that Greg has seen in Joe Scally's game that he thinks isn't quite there yet. And 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 yeah, there's obviously reasons for that. No, I jump in really quick on the Joe Scally situation first. I, I agree with you, and I agree with the comments that are out there that are saying that Joe Scally hasn't played for us yet. So, so as much as he's been in a camp and he's been around and they've seen him in training now with everybody else, Shaq Moore at least has that experience of playing for Greg under a certain situation. And not only that was with Greg and the team for a month or over it's a trust. month. It's trust. It's trust. It's, it's yeah. straight trust. And you know what you're going to get out of him. And I feel like you can look at Shaq Moore if you're Greg Berhalter and say, I need this out of you today. I need you to do these three things. And if you do these three things well, then I'm going to be proud of your performance and it's going to help the team. And, and, that is what something like you can ask a Shaq more and, and he can respond to it uh, accordingly. 
With Joe Scally, still an unknown quantity despite his experience and despite, you know, the, the big games that he's getting over in the Bundesliga. And I agree with you. I think it comes down to trust. Now, there are some there's some chatter, too, that if we did go to a back three, that maybe Christian Pulisic could play the wing back position, just like he did at Chelsea when they were having some issues. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Now, I do like Christian Pulisic when he's got some space in front of him and can run into that space and work mm -hmm. his magic. But I feel like you're still round peg, square hole kind of thing where you're not putting your best players in their best positions, and then they get a little bit uh, uneasy, you know, just put your best guys in your best spots. We don't need to overthink about it. Even Pep Guardiola, the great Pep do you Guardiola. Think, do you think the back three, though? Would you? Would I don't. You? No, I don't. Right now, because Panama only plays with one striker. So they play with Rolando Blackburn, who scored the first goal against Honduras last night. And I don't think we need three center backs to occupy that one striker. And I think it actually plays into the hands if we have three center backs, because then you're asking one of our center backs to step in the midfield. Yeah. And that could create or cause some some confusion and like who's stepping, who's dropping off. So I think you do two center backs. I think it makes it a little bit easier who's going to track Rolando Blackburn anywhere. And then you can just slide over as the other center back. So I don't want to tinker too much and i hope well, that we don't we got a lot of luca de la torre shouts going on again jimmy like people really seem to have liked him uh against honduras having said that it was against honduras and yes and in in frostbite conditions yeah. i i listen i'm a, I'm a luca de la torre fan as well and what i like about his game if we decided to put him in midfield and we talked about this in the last week where you could have these three different style of players if Acosta comes out or if you put a constant right back, he's just out of the midfield. You could have a De La Torre who we both or all we we both agree have has a passing ability to, to transition us and break the lines with passing. You got Musa who can run between the lines, right? So you got a little bit of a variation of that. And then you got Tyler Adams who's just going to protect the back four, keep the ball moving, and be our leader. That's why he's our captain, right? So you got three different skill sets in there. But if you have a constant Adams in the midfield, though that feels safe. And we both, I think, have them starting because that's what Greg knows and feels comfortable with. And we do. And actually, when we referenced Mexico last night, the fact that we did have a good performance without McKinney, without Serginho Des, without Brendan Aronson, I think really speaks to the type of team that we're building and that we can cope with any type of adversity that's thrown our way. So I really like that character of our team. But now there is something about having Acosta in there, even though I think we missed a little bit of that punch from midfield, that, that kind of late run that maybe Musa doesn't provide as much as Weston McKinney. So if we look at my starting lineup, and I'm sure producer... Uh, Alex is going to throw it up here. We're essentially the same. I don't think there's any difference. I had Cannon in here. We had it highlighted because if he if he's somehow comes back from COVID, you know, I think he gets slotted in here. But if he doesn't, I think it, it could potentially be Shaq Moore as well. Acosta right back is interesting for me. And I guess Greg Berhalter and his staff have to decide where do we think we're going to get the ball? Where do we think Panama is going to allow us to have it? And if it's going to be in the outside back positions, who do you want to have? having the majority of the possession. Who's going to be driving the games from these angles for us? Is Acosta going to get up and down the line in a way that's going to be advantageous? Are we putting him there just to be cautious? Eric Palmer Brown's got some great feet, so he can play out of situations as well. and He's got some experience in the right-back position. Here's my one thing about Shaq Moore, everybody. He plays for Tenerife, who are currently fourth in the second division in Spain. Now, from January 1st of 2022 to March 5th, so almost two months, he played, and they had maybe 10 to 12 games. He played a total, a total of, in 12 games, a total of 34 minutes. Mm. Just not playing. He had COVID for a little bit, but ultimately just not first choice. They went through a little bad run of form. He got into the team, and they won away from home against Almeria. That was last week. And then the most recent game, they lost 
1-0 at home, and he played. So he had two back-to-back 90-minute games. But the previous two months, Heath Pierce and everybody listening and watching, he only played 34 total yeah, minutes. Same with same with Reina, you know, same I, with ju- Adam. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that that yeah. it's no, like it's certainly alarming, but at least there's a little bit of again, a little well, bit. Well, it's kind of kinda like Zach Steffen as yeah. well, right? He hasn't played forever, and then he gets a 90-minute game in FA Cup, and you're like, all right, he's good. We're good. We got him. Yeah. So so anyway, with regard to my lineup, so the canon, the canon uh Shaq Moore thing is there. I'm with you on this. With the do you Robin think we're being a little? Do you think we're being a little uh, hypocritical in the fact that like I feel Adams and Acosta are so duplicative, yet somehow I had him in the last lineup. I've got him in this lineup as well because I still well, think we're better than 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 Panama with them. You're saying um, we are hypocritical, but it's you that's hypocritical. You're the one that's. I. You don't I think they're duplicative? I do think they're duplicative, but I what I would say is I'm not saying that they shouldn't start. I think they will. Where, where where everybody has to take into consideration, now that Panama drew against Honduras, and we said this last night in the podcast, they got to come chase the game. They have to go get it. They have to win this one. Thomas mm-hmm. Christensen, their their coach, said, we now have, we still have it in our hands, but we have to go, we got to be a little bit more aggressive. And we were, we could have put ourselves in a great yeah. spot, and now we're, we're working behind a different type of obstacle, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, but he knows there's got to be some urgency. Panama's got to score first in this game. And if they don't, then we can just lock it down because a draw puts us in a, in a, in a it, well we don't we, we definitely don't want to draw but but it's obviously uh if we have the lead it's going to help us so the only other options that I, I think Acosta basically what I'm saying is Acosta and Adam start you go with Musa as well and then you make those adjustments you see what Panama's trying to throw at you and then you can kind of pick your spots as to who you want to bring on the field I think Reyna will probably start and then it just kind of really depends I mean Shaq Moore has proven that he can get up and down the line he scored that early goal against Canada what was he doing that far up the field during that one play when we scored in the first minute of the Gold Cup but he's got that ability to get up and down, as does Anthony. So we could create our width from our outside backs and maybe try to be a little bit more of creating numerical advantages in the in the center of the park to try to figure out how we can unlock Panama's defense. I'm very curious to see how Panama is going to come out, knowing that they have to have this urgency. And when they start to take those risks, are they going to do it in the first half or are they going to wait till after halftime? There's a lot of chess being played here, and I absolutely you, love it. The one thing that we didn't talk about is the number nine because that's I just what I was going to get to. Like we, uh, Greg Neal had talked about Ferreira, and it just depends – on how Panama rolls the team out, right? If we're going to have these long periods where we can't get Ricardo Pepe involved, maybe Ferreira is a better option. I don't know. And I, and, and I, my question well, for you, Jimmy, is do you think Greg Berhalter is actually thinking through how he thinks Panama might roll out based on and then and then reacting on to how he puts the nine? Or do you think he's got it made up as like, you know, Pepe's his nine right now? Well, it seems like, let's look back at the last window. It seems like, he already had a predetermined set of who was going to play each game, especially at the number nine spot, because the first game against El Salvador was mm-hmm. Jesus Ferreira. We win one zero. Second game is against Canada away from home. We have Jossie Zardes. Third game, it's at home against Honduras. We have Ricardo Pepe. Like we switched. There was no continuity with our number nine. And so I wonder if he already has that in mind going into these three games as well. Like I'm going to give Ricardo Pepe 60 minutes. What bums me out a little bit is I wish there was some staggering because when Gio Reyna came on, Timo Weah came off, and so did Ricardo Pepe at the same yeah. time. And so that's Pepe, what I want to see them together. So Pepe and Reyna haven't played together before or, or didn't didn't last night. So can we figure out a way? Or maybe have they ever played together? No. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think Reyna and Pepe have ever played together before. And and Pepe's so good at bringing other he players is. into the game. He is. He and is. again, there's no comparison between Holland and, and, and Pepe. 
But Pepe's hold-up play where he brings players in, plays off one touch, spins yep, off the shoulder, yep. that's exactly where Reina's always best at Dortmund. It's being able to feed the ball in, follow right. the ball, get the ball back at your feet. Now you're facing the attack. We don't have that very much right now in this national team, right? We get out around the wings. But when we can start to have that combination play, and we saw that a little bit with McKinney and, um, and what was it, yeah, Des, right, uh, right. before, that combination play is so lethal against just teams that sit deep and blocks and you got to pull them in and out of spaces. The game happens quickly. And like you said, going back to the, to, to the Eddie Johnson thing that you mentioned early at the top of the show, getting in the right spots where now it's time to take that risk. We're set up well defensively. We've got our holding midfielder being able to put out the fire. We've right. got you know uh, somebody on the front end and the back end of, of the center forward that they're playing with with Blackburn. Now we're set up. Now the time is to attack. We see our little moment. You take the risk instead of just possession for possession's sake. Yeah, I'm looking back at the lineup that we had in Panama. I had to actually go back and look. We had Timo Weah on the left, Zardes at the number nine, and Ariola on the right side. Leggett, Acasa, and Musa were in the midfield. And I think we will not be going with that this time around. George Bellow started that one. Zimmerman, McKenzie, and Shaq Moore. Shaq Moore actually started that game. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I thought he last time we saw him was in the Gold Cup, but he actually started that game. All right, so he's... He's got a little taste of World Cup qualifying, especially against his opponent, which makes some sense now why you'd bring him in because he's also got that familiarity with playing. That's the first time I've actually looked at our lineup. I thought I had a pretty good idea. I remember we made seven changes from beating Jamaica at home and, and everybody was like, what are we doing? And we didn't look good at any point. We just, there was no consistency. And I think there's still some of that that needs to happen, especially in our number nine spot. You know, Ricardo Pepe, if you go out there with the pressure of knowing I'm only going to get 60 minutes or whatever, I'm only going to play this game and then we'll see what happens in the rest of them. It's hard to build that, get that momentum going, trying to create yeah. those meaningful relationships, especially as Pepe builds with Pulisic and now potentially Reyna. It's really interesting, but we both had Pepe starting, and I think we can both see why. It's just kind of having that consistency in the team, especially with our front three. Mm -hmm. And I thought he did it did well last night. He does have good hold-up play and obviously did a very good job of dropping into that space to unlock the defense to get way in, way in behind for that cross for Pulisic spot. I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm excited. We have the talent, obviously, to get a big result against Panama, but we still have to go out there and execute. So it should be very, very exciting. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we obviously have some other games in CONCACAF to break down that should have some very huge implications on whether the U.S. and Canada and Mexico qualify or not. So don't go anywhere. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And guess what, everybody? We're trying to give away a Paramount Plus card worth $100. That should definitely take care of you for a year and then some on a monthly Rate. So make that happen. All you have to do is put P plus in the comments and then leave your social media handle right after. Don't put the at sign though, P plus and just your social media handle, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. And that allows you to be entered into winning 
a card, $100 Paramount Plus card. We offered one up last night. We're going to announce the winner of that after our recap of Panama US. Make sure you are subscribed. Hit like, turn on your notifications. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure you turn on your notifications to subscribe as well so you don't miss any episodes as we continue to go deeper and deeper into the U.S. men's national team and anything surrounding U.S. soccer moving forward. Okay, Heath Pierce, let's go game by game and start with El Salvador taking on Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what are you saying there with regard to, and again, you can watch all these games on Paramount+, Plus. El Salvador versus Costa Rica. The Ticos need to win, but El Salvador pretty good at home. Yeah, and this kind of takes me back to to wrap up the thought because I wanted to get your take real quick on 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 um, on Panama in general, right? We're kind of talking about them in a higher light than they played this last game, right? They've been this like uh, almost I don't want to say Cinderella because they've actually been really good, and I like uh, Thomas Christensen's coaching and and what the team has uh, going for it. But they didn't get that result. Do you think that? You know, we're talking about Costa Rica. We're going to talk about Costa Rica first and, and what they need to be able to do to get this result. But do you think Panama are a little bit shook after not grabbing what what could or should have been theirs against a team that's been historically bad in this competition um, since since almost the very beginning, Honduras? Well, I'll, I'll shout out to Honduras, by the way, for trying to get something out of this game. Their coach said afterwards that we have players that are looking forward to 2026 that are trying to put their best foot forward to showcase why they should be a long time. Yeah. A core part of the national team moving forward. And and I think because there's 48 teams in the world cup in 2026 and not 32, they have a real good chance of, of getting in and, and making it happen, especially because Mexico, U S and Canada are automatic uh, hosts or automatic locks because they're the hosts of the tournament. So it's important for them to, to lay the groundwork. And I appreciated their approach. And that they didn't give up and lay down, even though they went down a goal. And maybe Panama thought that they were going to. Panama, for me, are feeling it a bit. I felt like their performance got a little nervy. And they started to get a little sloppy. And they started to get emotional. And when you get emotional, you get frustrated quicker. You don't relax. And and everything was not necessarily going their way up until that point. But they gave up a really... Tough lead. I mean, I can't believe that they gave up a lead when it was 1-0 and they let Honduras somehow sneak back into it. And, and, and what I think concerns me the most for Panama is that they only had one shot on goal. A game that you need to win against an opponent that gives up a lot of shots every game and you only get one shot on goal, that's the goal, that it's the shot that you score on, and that's it? Like, you get yeah. eight overall, but only one on frame? Like, it has to be better. Like, if you're going to qualify for a World Cup, it's just got to be better. And 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 consistently be very good. And I just don't think I think Panama's feeling a little bit. Yeah. And that's why I think if we score first in this game, it puts them under a lot of pressure to have to be perfect moving yeah. forward. And, and but but conversely, we we could fall into that that trap as well. well. So it's pretty interesting. And this falls for a lot of teams that are in the same situation. Oh, well, this this is what leads me over to, to to Costa Rica, right? And Costa Rica have now come back to life. And Costa Rica aren't scoring a ton of goals. They've got what is it? Nine goals that they've scored so nine far. Nine out of twelve and, and games. Nine out of twelve games. And then and then El Salvador out of twelve games has only seven goals for. But El Salvador aren't bad at home. They were able to get that two nil win on the road against Honduras. Mm-hmm. They got the one one against Jamaica. Like there there are signs of life with El Salvador in terms of just that national pride. They're playing at the Cuscatlan. It's not an easy place to play. You know, having said that, Canada went down there pretty comfortably in the last window and got a result after we saw. Um, El Salvador uh, play a, a pretty decent game away from home against Honduras. And so 
Costa Rica lack the depth that 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 they need. Right. They lack um but what what they make up what they lack in depth right now, they're going to make up for in the fact that they're like we might be actually onto something here. We are yeah, we are yeah. on the edge of 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 this fourth place and even a third place. Uh if they're going to take it to the last game. If you're looking at that saying if this goes perfect, we're getting the US uh, at home mm-hmm, where they mm-hmm. never win. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty good motivator for, for, for Costa Rica. Having said that, like Costa Rica haven't been that impressive, but look where they are. If they haven't been that impressive, then clearly n- n- we haven't either uh, because they're, they're knocking on the door. But I, I, I do believe that El Salvador have the ability to be difficult to be play against at home to, to play the spoilers in the way that they're going mm-hmm, to want to mm-hmm. for pride of Central America and 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 force at least a draw out of Costa Rica in this one. It's going to be a very difficult game for Costa Rica. Costa Rica are going to have to take more chances as well. Not that El Salvador have a ton of threats on the, on the counter against them, but I think the more that that El Salvador can keep them honest, the harder and longer it's going to be. Where they might get a few opportunities of just uh, Costa Rica, who don't have the the youth, uh, being exposed a little bit and and them capitalizing on that. No, those are good points, and I appreciate that insight. What I'll add is that Hugo Perez, the manager of El Salvador, represented our country like 75, 80 times. So we need a former U.S. men's national team player to step up and help us yeah. and get Costa Rica off of our heels. Come on, Hugo Perez, help us out there. My concerns are the same as yours. Costa Rica, though, have only given up seven goals in those 12 games, so very stout defensively. Don't give a lot of opportunities, and obviously, as we preview our game against the Ticos, uh, that'll be something that we talk about uh, quite heavily, especially based on how they perform and how we perform in this upcoming one. But defensively, they've been very good and obviously have one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Keylor Navas, who should be starting for PSG, but uh, he gets to watch Donnarumma mm-hmm. do it as well. But what I want to say with regard to what I find interesting with regard to El Salvador is that there's been six World Cup qualifying windows, right, for us to, to get through this mm-hmm. qualifying phase. The only game that El Salvador lost of those six windows was against us 1-0. They either got a win or a draw in everything. So they're very good in that first game, El Salvador. Mm-hmm. This is the second game, the third game. They lack depth and they get a little bit tired. Now, this is their last game in front of their home fans. I think they're going to be up for it. They're going to have their own type of motivation that Costa Rica doesn't have, but I think it's going to be difficult, and I think they're going to be rowdy and raucous, and we'll see how that ends up playing out because we've seen them get in trouble before for some of that behavior. But by the way, that uh, th- when they played against Costa Rica the first time around, they scored first, El Salvador did, and then it, it almost lit a fire under Costa Rica where it was like a punch to the face that I was like, oh, man, this is not going to happen. And then Costa Rica came back and obviously won on a penalty, but it was... Uh, <laughs> it was uh, like Costa Rica woke up from that one where I thought this was the end of Costa Rica and the way that they they started that game. But yeah. So really quick, just because nothing is straightforward in qualifying and El Salvador might play their best match of the whole qualifying phase. Costa Rica is going to find a way to get a a win here. They're going to be on 22 points and and that's just what's going to play out. And I don't know what we're going to do against Panama. I hope that we win. That puts us at 25 and Costa Rica on 22, but it's just not going to be that easy. We're not going to slip through and here's the table. I just feel like Costa Rica is not going to drop these points. I think they're going to go get all three and it's just going to make it really sticky on the last match day, which of course will give us that old good old fashioned squeaky bum time as we head down to San Jose, Costa Rica and try to get a result. But so what, 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 what could be the potential implications then against Costa Rica, right? If you were to say finish on, on, on level points with Costa Rica, it, all, if we get, listen, if we get a win or a draw against Panama, we guarantee at least fourth. So we're automatically into the intercontinental playoff. And if we get fourth, we're most likely going to play with all due respect to Papua New Guinea, 
we're probably going to play New Zealand, okay, mm -hmm. at, at over 90 minutes. But as we just saw yesterday with Italy against North Macedonia, anything can happen in those 90 minutes. And that friendly, or that friendly, the intercontinental playoff will be in Qatar. So it's not like we have a home field advantage or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's it's somewhere far away, and it's at a neutral site, and it's going to be, talk about uh, tense. That one will be tense. And, and New Zealand would have everything to gain, and we would have everything to lose. So that's not necessarily a situation we want to get into. But if we get a result, any kind of result against Panama, we're guaranteed at least fourth. So we have that going for us. But if we get, if we win to beat Panama and Costa Rica wins, then it's going to get uh, a little tight. And so obviously Mexico has got to go out there and, and go to Honduras and get a result, which isn't easy, especially with this Honduran team that seems like mm -hmm. they're going to, they're up for the fight. And, and so I don't know, it's, it just could get really tight as to who's going to get these last spots. Costa Rica would have a lot of work to do. And because we have goal difference on them, they, they would have to score quite a few goals, but, but, Let's just, obviously we can only control what we can control and that's beating Panama and that's our first thing. But but it, I just feel like it just doesn't go straight forward. It never does and it's always hard. And if Costa Rica drops points here, it won't be as hard. I'm like, ah, it's like we're not going to ease think, our way into World Cup qualifying. I, 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 I think the U.S. qualifies in this game. I think the Panama game. I, I hope the win against Panama. I, I think that's what happens. I think I think we're we're giving a little bit too much logic to CONCACAF right now that it's going to come down to like the last game. I think that we, I think that we'll, I think we'll secure it. In this we'll one. see. All right. I hope that if from we your, win from we'll your lips it. to the soccer God's ears, I really hope yeah. that Greg Neal wants that as well. Thanks for the support, Greg. So let's talk about, let's transition. We just talked, brought them up right now. Honduras versus Mexico, Mexico. Um, despite what you think about them, they're still grinding out the results as well. They've only given up eight goals in their 12 games. So defensively, Memo Ochoa making the saves that need to be made. Not really flowing, not looking like the Mexico of old, not really controlling games with possession. But I was actually really impressed with one of their away games against Jamaica and Kingston, where they went down a goal and they figured out a way to get two late goals to win. I really mm -hmm. thought that was a turning point for this Mexican team, that they can go and kind of win not in a not aesthetically pleasing way. But that's what they usually do. They wear you down eventually yeah, in the right. score, right? They'll eventually like, and that's how I remember like my worst memory uh, uh, against Mexico of just even though you're in games traditionally against Mexico, they wear you down, and even if you get a goal, they still wear you. Like they used to be much more patient and 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 spread the field in a different way. Yeah. Where yeah, I agree. You would just chase the game, and eventually, you know, had elements of 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 Spain and things like that where they stretch the field on you. It gets big. You're just chasing these shadows all the time. And then eventually one mistake or one opportunity, they're building their confidence and you could just sort of feel that sort of, you know, the, the edge go to, to their favor where I'm not really feeling that outside of, again, that Jamaica one, like you mentioned, I thought, okay, wow, they've found a little bit of that gusto to them after not playing well, but finding a way to get a result in a different way. Maybe this is the new them, but it just hasn't continued to be uh, the case. Well, I guess what they got going for them is that when they played Honduras at Azteca, they won 3-0. When they played Honduras in the Gold Cup, they won 3-0. They might just have Honduras's number. And even though I think uh, Honduras could put up a fight here, I just think Mexico, Tata Martino will not be going. He had eye surgery, had something complications, so he won't be there. I don't know if that takes pressure off or or... I don't think it adds pressure, but maybe it allows the team to relax if there's some type of intensity that he brings that won't be there this time around or his mere presence. Sometimes that can happen with players when the assistant mm -hmm. coach, the jokey assistant coach comes in and everybody loves the assistant coach and he's kind of leading the charge. And sometimes it's funny. I, I don't know. I've had assistant coaches or interim coaches before 
And if you really like that person, you want to see them succeed. It's like you give a little bit more. I don't know. You find something else to like, I'm going to give everything I have. So this guy has a great experience being in charge for this short period of time. I, I don't know if that's going to happen in this particular instance, but yeah, I thought but I'd throw it out there. This is also one where it's Honduras's last qualifier for another four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm at hoping home. that they're at, yeah, it's their last home qualifier. Yeah. Not their mm -hmm. last qualifier, last home qualifier for another four years. And I'm hoping that that brings the best out of San Pedro Sula and the atmosphere there and all the things that we've built into the romanticism of playing there and the difficulties of playing there. They have not had that in this world cup qualifying campaign, but there's no better person that team to have. I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm willing this into existence, obviously, uh, <laughs> Because I, you know, I I know what it's like down in Honduras as 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 you do uh, yeah, yeah. as you do too, uh, and it just hasn't been that. And uh, I I I feel that there might be some value to 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 Honduras being at home, their last one, national pride again, the 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 fans showing up. If if they do, I, I'm not sure what the, the the capacity is or the the COVID situation there right now, or even just the sentiment around the mm -hmm, national mm -hmm, team, considering mm -hmm. how bad they've been in this World Cup qualifying. Uh, but I'm hoping that at least brings some of those factors that makes it a lot harder on Mexico than perhaps it's been on other teams so far in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. And obviously, you can watch that again on Paramount+. Plus. Let's talk about the last one. It's Canada hosting Jamaica. Now, I'm of the tinfoil conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat over here going, Canada lost against Costa Rica. So they can qualify in front of their amazing home fans that are desperately wanting them to qualify for the World Cup for the first time since 19. 86 and it's all setting up but i don't think the reggae boys are going to roll over and allow that to yeah, they happen. could lose this game they, they could. could they could they could lose this game and that would be crazy because if they lost at home then you have 25 points if we win it's 25 points mexico wins it's 25 like if three teams on 25 points and costa rica could win and they would be on 22 that would be nuts that we yeah. potentially could have a chance to win the qualifying group but I think Canada's going to do the business. I think John Herdman is a good coach, a very good coach. Maybe the coach so far. It should win an award for how he's managed Canada so far. Mark Anthony Kay, a bit of a suspect double yellow card. The first one I thought was a yellow card if you saw it. The second one, if everybody can see me or if you can't, he just kind of walks and he shoulders another uh, another player that's coming across, right? The Costa Rican. And the, Costa, the, the guy falls you know, and he's acting like he got hit in the face or whatever. You got, you got to appreciate it. that's the shithousery of CONCACAF. So I'm actually disappointed in Mark Anthony K that he even allowed that situation to occur and, and allowed himself to get baited into it. Now I remember that happening to me in the gold cup against Panama, Panama, uh, Blas Perez did the same thing to me. The referee gave me a quick yellow when Blas Perez was the one that actually walked in my path. And then when I kind of ran into him, he fell down and I got the yellow card. That's just part of being in CONCACAF and Mark Anthony K well, he'll know better from this point forward, and so will Canada overall. You can't get engaged in those type of antics, especially when you're so close to qualifying. That said, I just think Canada has played well. That's their only loss so far in World Cup qualifying. And I just think at home they're going to be up for the task. And, and uh, I like the way that John Herdman motivates his team. No, hey. it's not possible Canada doesn't qualify. They're, they're guaranteed at least fourth. So so they're still, they'd still get the Intercontinental playoff. I do want to point out, by the way, that what you just said kind of triggered a thought in my mind that it wasn't that um, hostile between U.S. and Mexico uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't that hostile. And I think both teams knew the implications of hostility. There was a couple moments that were a little hairy in the box and late touches. And there was a, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a little bit of probing and poking, but it didn't have the whole let the ref or let the atmosphere get the best of everyone that mm -hmm. could end up punishing either of us. 
which was a rare a, a rare thought and it just came to my mind of like oh yeah there wasn't well Yedlin had a Yedlin had a tackle that was could have been I mean he got a even, yellow on even it. then you would have expected Mexico to be a lot go a lot crazier in that moment because yeah on yeah. the replay that was a pretty harsh challenge it and was. then you got a you know hands around the throat that we've seen the last games things like that that like all of those little things that could lead yeah, to now with yeah. VAR there, uh, an, an ability to change the direction of the game. And it just seemed like cooler heads uh, prevailed in that one. And it just came to my mind right now. I was like, how bad was it? And I was like, no, it didn't, didn't get as bad as it, it, it could have, at least how it did in, in previous games where they were just actively trying to get somebody to be sent off, you know, especially with Tyler Adams on, on a warning right, and things like right. that. But, um, but anyways, yeah, this Canada game. Yeah. What do you I, think? I, do you think Jamaica's got a chance? I do. Mikel Antonio didn't didn't play for Jamaica. Yeah, he didn't travel. He didn't travel uh, in this game. I'm not sure if he's traveling in in for for, for this one as well. I I I doubt it. Also, I think I think Jamaica are capable of 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 something. You I can't think sleep a, on those guys. You you can't sleep on them. I I do think Canada wins this, but you know, again, I'm I'm almost at the point where I've got so much trauma in my head that I just keep willing things to happen that aren't actually going to happen, like <laughs> like Canada not winning uh this one but canada should be able to qualify in front of their fans if i'm taking like the the u.s soccer fan hat off for a second and just thinking about being a canadian player in the environment and the opportunity under yeah. pressure to qualify right. in front of your fans you're like that's one of those things where you're like yeah we're gonna do it you know like we've got a bunch of people that have got the motivation uh and we've gotten this far we're not gonna let it down now they've got enough of that maturity and quality and experience in the team that it'd be silly to not think they're gonna they're they're gonna win this one yeah, I was going to say that the last time these two teams played, it was in Kingston. It was 0-0. And Mikel Antonio didn't play in that one as well. They had Kamar Roof and Shamar Nicholson playing up top. And in their last game against uh, El Salvador last night, they had up top uh, Gray and Green. So so Andre Gray and... Um, so they've, they've... It's like they've... Daniel Green. They've, they've had other options up top without relying on Mikel Antonio... And I just don't think you can sleep on these guys. And they just and need I, a draw too to qualify, right? I know, I so, know. Like a draw guarantees. So they can be really thoughtful. Three. Yeah, they yeah. can be thoughtful about their approach. But yeah, I agree with you that Canada's going to do it. And, and uh, early congratulations to them. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not trying to jinx them because I want them to qualify. I want our Canadian friends to to get into the World Cup. I think that would be a very special occasion for them in the country. And they've been good overall. and surprisingly good, and and deserve deserve it. You know. So uh, so just to finish up this episode of in soccer we trust and we appreciate all of your support whether you're listening or watching so long may that continue hit subscribe and like and turn on your notifications and leave us reviews we would love all that who do you think qualifies from this next match day you think you think canada does it you think you already said the u.s is going to do it you think mexico does it as well and by the way there's a question up right now uh from fight pizza did he put a perm <laughs> just to take a shower I was going with like this Charlie Puth, like, you know, like a little bit of that curly and people doing this like curly hair thing right now. And it was just it looks, falling this way. I had Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, I, I had this I had this hat on these. We had these comm commemorative hats at all of the watch parties yesterday. And and uh, I wore it the whole night and didn't get a chance to uh, hit the old shampoo. So I missed your question there, Jimmy, because I had to like take down just, the old uh, the, the I had to take down the well, take down the fight, card for a second there. Fight Pizza wants to change his change his name to Fight Heath here about your, your <laughs> yeah. hair. But but uh no what I was saying is you think and I'm curious what everybody else thinks too hit us up on Twitter at ISWT pod or let us know right now in the comments. You think Canada qualify after this next match day? You think the US do it? I assume you think Mexico. 
And then that leaves it wide open for, well, I guess I guess whether you think Costa Rica is going to do the business in El Salvador. Because if we beat Panama and Costa Rica wins, it seems like they've got the fourth spot locked up. Or they have, at the very minimum, have the fourth spot locked up. Yeah, think, I just... you think we're uh, set? you think we have our yeah, top four after the next I, match day? I, I, uh, I mean, not necessarily. I, I guess mathematically, now you're asking me to do math again on, on the fly, which I'm not great at. I love at. that. Um, but looking at the, the old uh, table... Yeah, I, I just haven't seen enough from from Costa Rica to think that they could potentially like not of course they could potentially do it, but I haven't seen enough from Costa Rica to think that they have the ability beyond momentum and a little bit of luck and a little bit of key moments to 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 keep going. Like I don't mm -hmm. think they have that to go all the way through. Now, if we leave it to the last day, of course, uh, that odd increases significantly because it's against the US away and and they're at home. But for this one against El Salvador, I think El Salvador have just as much of a chance. I don't think Costa Rica are favorites going away from home to El Salvador to win this one. And I think that's where where things are going to uh, kind of fall apart there. And so, yeah, I think I, I, okay. I do think the U.S. qualifies uh, on this match day. Well, this, uh, actually, yeah. this actually leads me to my next question then. And I said that was last question, but I'm adding an addendum to that. My last question. This is last question B. <laughs> what do you think the score is going to be U.S. versus Panama? And everybody else let us know in the comments and also hit us up at ISWT pod on Twitter. Drop us a follow there. That would be great. Yeah. Part of me is like, this is going to be a close one, but part of me is also like, if this gets to the 60th minute, Panama got to go. Like Panama's not, we can, we can hit them can, on the counter. Yeah. They cannot sit back and just hope that the two, three chances they generate from that or half chances are going to be enough. They're going to have to try some things and expose and send fullbacks forward, send a midfielder forward, send a few extra numbers forward that tees us up well if it's Pepe and Pulisic and Reyna like to just be able to go down and one-two punch them. And so I could see I could see it getting uh, comfortable towards the 75th minute for the U.S. with with goals. Just, you know, Panama continuously having to just expose a little bit more. But I'm going to go with a... a I'm going to go with a 2-0. A I like the 2-0. Uh, you know, wow, God, Heath. We're, we're speaking the same language. I said 2-0. Yeah. I've seen some other 2-0s, 3-0s, 2-1s, but everybody going with the U.S. win. Just want to throw out there that we've only given up seven goals in 12 games as well. We've been very stout defensively. Long may that continue because, as Heath and I both know, defense wins championships, yep. everybody. You have a good defense. You always give yourself well, that's a why, chance by the to way, win the game. Robinson and Zimmerman haven't lost together, and I was super harsh on, like, more on, like, I think Greg Berhalter likes likes Aaron Long more, uh, but it makes total sense. Why would you change it? And I think about like his club performances and I go, well, yeah, but what does it have to do with the national team? Like the national team is like, if you've got two guys that are playing well together, uh, you don't change it, you know, generally. And so uh, they continue to, uh, you know, go and get a, get a result against Mexico away from home, a result. Uh, and yeah, defense wins championships. I mean, defense wins championships. It should have been the name of the show. That's right. We should have titled that Defense Wins Championships. Instead, we named it In Soccer We Trust, and that is the end of the episode. Everybody, we appreciate you. Thank you for all of your support. And come back and join us right here on this channel or on podcast form right after the game for U.S. versus Panama in Orlando, Florida. The game is kicking off at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Catch us right after for our very emotional recap. Hopefully it's the best emotion possible of us qualifying for the World Cup for the first time since 2014. It's kind of crazy wow. to say that out loud. Yeah, don't so, say that out loud. That's weird. Uh, on behalf of producer Dez and producer Alex and Hollywood Heath Pierce and uh, our missing compatriot, Charlie Davies, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust, and we'll see you next time. Later!